Hi, welcome to Office Hours with Janelle Vu and Anil Desange. We go over mix-up internal medicine questions with expert IM docs in the field here at UC Davis. Hi, I have Dr. Sandhya Venegopal with me today. She's an associate professor in the Division of Cardiology here at UC Davis. She did her internal medicine residency at Oregon Health Sciences University and her cardiology fellowship at Rush University in Chicago, Illinois. Before we start, I just want to know, Dr. Venegopal, what is your favorite organ in the body? Um, the heart is the most amazing organ uh, out there, I think. <laughs> that is very predictable of you, Dr. Venegopal. Okay, let's get back to business. We are doing number 18 of the cardiovascular section in MixApp 5 for students. A 62-year-old man with coronary artery disease is evaluated for angina. He was diagnosed with coronary artery disease four years ago. Medical therapy was started with aspirin, metoprolol, isosorbide mononitrate, pravastatin, and sublingual nitroglycerin. He was asymptomatic until eight months ago when he noted exertional angina. His doses of metoprolol and isosorbide mononitrate were increased and long-acting diltiazem was added, resulting in control of his symptoms. Over the past two months, however, he has had gradually increasing symptoms and currently he requires daily nitroglycerin for angina relief during exercise. He has not had any episodes of angina at rest. On physical examination, blood pressure is 100 over 60, heart rate is 48. Carotid upstroke is normal with no bruits. Cardiac examination reveals no murmurs and the lungs are clear. An electrocardiogram shows no acute ischemic changes. Which of the following should be the next step in this patient's management? A. Coronary angiography. B. Exercise treadmill stress testing. C. Increase metoprolol or D, IV heparin and nitroglycerin? So I think the best answer for this question is A, coronary angiography. As depicted by the history, this is a gentleman with a known coronary artery disease who you're seeing for his angina. He's been diagnosed with coronary disease for about four years, and if you review his medical therapy, he's actually quite optimized in regards to his therapy, and that includes aspirin, metoprolol, isosorbide mononitrate, a statin, and sublingual nitroglycerin. You notice that over the last eight months, he's actually having worse exertional angina, despite his doses of metoprolol and isosorbite being increased. In addition, a long-acting diltiazem was also added. One of the main issues here is knowing that this patient has coronary artery disease and, to the most part, well-optimized in terms of his medication. Despite that optimization in his medication, he's now continuing to have worsening angina. So one can view this patient as someone who probably initially had chronic stable angina, and now that angina is becoming more unstable. As a result, the best answer would be to further evaluate him with a coronary angiogram. If your pretest probability of having coronary artery disease were lower, because it seems like for him that you're pretty sure that's what he has, then would you consider the other testing modalities? The way I approach stress testing is it's definitely based on the patient's pretest probability. So if I think a patient has a high pretest probability for coronary artery disease, it probably makes more sense for that patient to obtain a coronary angiogram because I really want to know what his coronaries look like. Stress testing probably makes the most sense in patients who come into your clinic 
or in the inpatient setting who have a more of an intermediate pretest probability of actually having disease. Now, this is all based on Bayes' theorem, which utilizes your pretest probability of disease as well as the prevalence of disease in your particular population. So if a patient comes in and you think they have an intermediate pretest probability of having disease, and that could be anywhere from 20% to 80%, or more specifically, we could say, say a patient has about 50% chance of having true disease, it definitely makes sense to obtain a non-invasive stress test. The way I think about which type of stress test to obtain, really the first question that I ask is, can my patient exercise? If my patient can exercise, then I would always opt for a exercise modality. And that can include a plain old exercise treadmill test, what we call POET, or a treadmill test plus a imaging component. And that could be a treadmill stress echocardiogram or a treadmill nuclear study. If my patient cannot exercise, then I would opt for a pharmacologic study, and that could be a pharmacologic nuclear study or a pharmacologic echocardiogram. A plain old exercise treadmill stress test involves the patient walking on a treadmill for a minimum of six minutes and for them to reach a target heart rate that's about 85% of their maximal target heart rate. Some textbooks say that, in general, the sensitivity of a plain old treadmill stress test is about 70%, which is true. But if you have a patient who can walk on a treadmill and they go for a minimum of, say, 10 minutes or a metabolic equivalent of 10 mets, that's an overall a very good study. And we've shown that adding an imaging component, such as an exercise or a nuke, really doesn't make a tremendous difference. In addition, you need to make sure that your EKG is interpretable when you have a patient on a treadmill. So in cases where the EKG is not interpretable, such as the patient has an underlying paced rhythm, left ventricular hypertrophy, left bundle branch block, or nonspecific STT wave changes, then it's probably best for the patient to have an imaging component added to that treadmill stress test. The sensitivity and specificity of a nuclear study versus a exercise echocardiogram, they're overall pretty equivalent. We know that nuclear studies tend to be slightly more specific than echocardiograms, and echocardiograms tend to be slightly more sensitive than nuclear studies. Depending on which you decide to use nuclear study versus an echocardiogram, it really depends on what studies you think may be better in regards to interpretation at your institution. So if there were one thing that you would want students to take away from this question, what do you think that would be? So the key take-home point from this question is that coronary angiogram is indicated in patients with chronic stable angina who experience lifestyle-limiting angina despite optimal medical therapy. Thanks for listening to Office Hours with Janelle and Anil. This was recorded and edited by us Us. and made possible by UC Davis Doctoring 4.